Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the autism and sexuality episode and also uh, the autism and sex work episode. So our guest today is Stony Faye, and you listeners know that I have the most fun when I'm talking to people that I actually work with or have worked with, so I'm anticipating a lovely time. You can find Stony by email, sadgirlstony at gmail.com. Stony Faye, welcome. Hi, um, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, like I said, I love working with you and I love talking to you, so I think we're going to have some fun. Yeah, and I miss working with you. It's been like a year. I know, that's crazy. Um, I know, wow. This is our disclaimer uh, before we begin that, so your host and our guest today are both uh, somewhere on the autism spectrum. <laughs> somewhere. Somewhere. Somewhere over the rainbow. Always on that damn spectrum. Statism. <laughs> so we're going to speak to our personal experiences. and we're Absolutely. Not, yeah, experts in autism overall. We're just experts in our own lived experiences. So I remember the first, well, not the first shift, but I remember when you and I started stripping together and we worked downtown. Um, but you had had sex work experience before we met, right? Yes, I had. Okay. Can um, you talk about that a little bit? Who are you and what are your backgrounds, Stony Faye? Oh, Stony Faye. I am a parent, an artist, an activist, a dancer. I am currently a master's in public health student. I am the secretary of the OSWC, Oregon Sex Workers Committee. I identify as a sex worker. (laughs) (laughs) I have been doing some form of sex work for most of my adult life. I've had long periods where I didn't do it, but I tend to always come back to this industry. Um, I feel that it is an industry that most lets me embrace who I am and work around the disability that I have. I know some people want to shy away from the word disability, but I have come into full embracing of that word. I definitely have a disability and the sex work industry is what lets me have that and be myself and support myself and my tiny human. Mm -hmm. Um, And the disability we're talking about is autism. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) In all of its different forms, you know, like we say, it's a spectrum and its symptoms and the way that it presents in people's lives are also a spectrum. Um, I remember I worked in a doctor's office when I was in college and I could hear the lights and the lights were so painful that I couldn't be nice to people. Mm. And they made me... They moved me to the checkout position because if I checked in, I had to sit under the lights that I hated. So they put me in the checkout position. This was before I was diagnosed. So they just thought I was the biggest pain in the ass employee, mind you. (laughs) So imagine like being young, not being diagnosed. So they don't realize they're accommodating a disability. They think they're just accommodating you being so difficult. They moved me to the checkout position. The checkout position is slightly better, but I can still hear the lights because you're in this little cave by yourself. But at least when I was checking out, I was by myself in my checkout cave. So Mm. just things like that when I worked normal jobs that would just constantly interfere or, you know, social skills. That's a huge part of the spectrum and just (laughs) completely missing when I was making people mad, upsetting people, um, being too upfront with bosses or saying things that I shouldn't say to my boss. Oh God. The thing when they ask you what you think about something and you make the mistake of being honest because you think that's helpful. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. So many times. Um, I had one because I worked in doctor's offices for a while um, before face tattoos and (laughs) rip never again, (laughs) never, never again, never. Yeah. Um, I, um, 
had one doctor that I knew was sleeping with my coworker, and so one day he made me mad and I told him and then uh, he sent me a message that night told me I wasn't allowed to come back and I was shocked I was like why am I not allowed to come back and then you know someone was like well you did tell him you knew he was fucking her. and I was like oh I have a question what did you what was your goal what was your intention with telling him um, you know, I was trying to prove that nobody's perfect. He was kind of chewing my ass about something. And I was like, how are you going to give me shit about this when you're fucking your secretary? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and that didn't land like I thought it was going to. <laughs> but again, autism and normal work life relationships and just me constantly falling on my face for it. Mm. Um, so you mentioned earlier the you could hear the lights and absolutely. So uh, studies have shown that a lot of autistic people have heightened sensibility to smell, sound, taste, and I would argue sight. Mm -hmm. Right. So I definitely notice a lot of things like, oh, this is crooked or the lights are off or what's that buzzing? Totally. Totally. Which is great for a floor manager. Mm-hmm. But it a lot of turns out a lot of managers actually don't like it when you like can do their job better than them. Oh, no. So I Never. think that's yeah, that's prevented me from climbing some ladders. Um, I remember the first time I noticed that you were having a hard time with the music being very loud. Do you remember at well, X? Was I shoving toilet paper in my ears? No, but I told you to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're who told me to do that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was a Friday. <clears throat> this is when we both worked Friday. I'm so glad you remember that. Yeah. Um, And I remember it was, it, the music was cranked. Like it was after 9 p.m. So yeah. he blasted it. And I was like, oh, shit. And I could see your body like morph like you were trying to like get lower to the ground like away from it (laughs) lost Um, my mask yeah and you started like stomping across the floor like I have to get out of here I think you put your fingers in your ears or something no I don't think you did that but I was like I think the noise is hard for them so I I remember right I went up to you and I was like hey is it loud in here do you want to try doing this yes yeah it fixed it it totally just a little bit of toilet paper in the bottom of my ear and I can still hear people and what they're saying but that like loud cut of the music and it was so funny because I was like oh yeah you're totally on the spectrum too look at us go (laughs) toilet paper in our ears and then I think I made you the meme where the guy's standing in the corner and I was like they don't even know I have toilet paper in my ears <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, send it. Send it again because yeah. I'll repost it. I'm going to find it. It was one of my many lost pages. RIP. RIP. Yeah. How many times have you been kicked off social media and um, how many platforms? Four times. And this last one I dug out of the graveyard, allegedly. This was Instagram. Yes. Okay. Yes, Instagram. I've been deleted four times on Instagram. I'm completely banned from Twitter. IP address. IP address banned from Twitter before Donald Trump. I don't even have a t shirt for that. <laughs> Um, oh God. And uh, to be clear with listeners, we're pretty sure you're getting banned either from people reporting you or the general censorship against people in our industries, right? Um, I think it's definitely a combination of the two. I have been deleted for, um, community violations before for sure, but I also definitely have, uh, um, a circle of people who enjoy, mass reporting me and watching my pages get deleted mm. um mm-hmm. 
to those people, I offer them um, to, you know, maybe I'll just let my kid chew up some food and then I'll just mail you that. Yeah, right. Like, thanks for hurting my child mm-hmm. and my grocery income. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think about that too. Yeah, you said something like that before. You're like, why don't you just take the food out of my child's mouth? Exactly. I'll just send you some of her chewed up food. Right. And then you can just have that. It'll be great. That's an interesting one because I definitely, that's something else you and I both have in common. That's actually why we started talking on the internet, I think. Yes. Was we're like, oh, we're both getting canceled and like defamed horribly for all these things that we both didn't do and we don't understand why. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is how people do psychological warfare. Right. Oh, yeah. I definitely have um, been completely canceled in certain social circles and you know um still alive are you even living if you haven't been canceled (laughs) i want a t-shirt this is all my favorite people have been canceled yeah um so how else okay so what kinds of work do you do currently so um currently i identify as a full-time dancer i full-time being 20 hours a week essentially but we're dancers so that's full-time um Mm -hmm. That's my main form of income currently. Um, As you know, I'm like, I've done uh, like a lot of community work for nonprofits. I really like being in service to people. I am trying to sort of gear my career back into that sort of thing, community service. Um, That's why I am getting the master's. But currently dancing is how I make my money and feed my child. Um, I work 20 hours a week in Portland. I love dancing. I love pole. Um, Mm. It's nice to move my body and have like an athletic outlet. I've never been an athlete, but Mm -hmm. it turns out I'm good at this. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, Yeah, totally. Always picked last. Super awkward in PE. Oh, so bad at sports. Making my living, moving my body now. And I'm like, wow, the fuck? Love being on pole. I watch my floor work sometimes and I'm like, wow, I can move like that? I don't even have posture. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm definitely, and then I do work for the nonprofit um, as well. And I do a lot of activism work, but I don't usually make any money with that. So dancing is my income currently. I do also have um, some sugar relationships. I was going to ask if we could talk about the sugar. Yeah. So you're good at that. I'm not good at that. So good at that. Um, (laughs) That I have a very particular set of skills. (laughs) Um, I so I supplement my income that way um, from time to time. And that's helpful. I definitely have some incredibly loyal people in my life who are always willing to help me and shout out to those people I couldn't be here without you um Mm -hmm. so I do that um I have done full service in the past um and here and there if I feel like it but Mm -hmm. I try to avoid you know Mm -hmm. too much disclosure on all of my incomes Mm -hmm. totally yeah remember we were talking um you were talking about someone that was like oh, you have a potential client, um, you should just like steal the money. And you're like, no, this could be a good client. This could be X amount of visits a year. So I, okay, yeah. So I will talk about this little hustle brain that I have. So a lot of times people will, when I have people like on the line like that, um, I always get my deposit. And I was in the back talking to someone, this was years ago. And because 
I got the deposit, I was like, oh, sick. There's my rent. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why don't you just keep that? And I was like, and essentially like not go on the date. And I was like, huh, because if he'll send this as a deposit, imagine how much he'll send me post date, how much he'll send me in the future, how much I can use. This could be mm-hmm. this could be a five digit bag and mm-hmm. I'm not going to fumble the big bag by robbing someone. Now, I definitely try to do clean business. I do my best to stay within all laws. Um, mm-hmm. My biggest pet peeve is sometimes I talk about some of my work experience and I feel like people assume that I'm doing that out of the club and it's like oh my god absolutely not I'm so deeply offended by this I would (laughs) never risk getting my club shut down that is not why I'm in these four walls I would never do something like that and like I always tell you I always feel like if someone's in the club trying to solicit me I always think it's a cop I'm Mm. like why are you here why are you showing me this money why are you doing who are you mm-hmm. what who are who do you work for mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. who sent you mm-hmm. um, yeah and we're we're pro uh decriminalization it's 100%. just it's so it's so annoying to be pestered for full service when like that's not on the table at absolutely. the club it's absolutely like, that's God. not what's on the menu here. right i wish we could go somewhere else i mean yeah we could you know it, but yeah not here. it would be amazing if there was decriminalized mm-hmm. and we could have safe places you know safe use safe areas safe places for that would be incredible mm-hmm. a perfect world mm-hmm. well and even just like you know that's another thing of autism is sing-song speech uh, i know i was gonna say why did i say that like that <laughs> look, everyone look up echolalia that's also, there we go there's that's related um yeah and also well like our friends in new zealand like if we wanted to do it out of our house or a hotel or theirs like you don't even need regulated venues it's just it's not illegal you don't have to worry about getting kicked off the venue's yeah. platform wow yeah yeah it would be nice to you know that's the, another thing that's really interesting and shitty about american legislation and how it impacts the world because escorts and people working in other places of the world they're on instagram and facebook which are these u.s owned i believe still companies yeah. so they're they're liable to all the rule or they're held accountable to all the rules and stuff so they can't advertise their services even if they're not a crime yeah that's yeah well capitalism loves to criminalize human desperation mm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. something interesting so i know a uh, mm, i can't give too much away we have a mutual friend who is also in the business of airbnbs you and I. Okay. And she recently shared that anytime she posts a deal or a special on the Airbnb bookings, it's always a last minute tenant that fucks up the place or she can't get them out. Mm-hmm. And she said that she needs to learn her lesson and not do bookings out of desperation. And it's like, it's so applicable to what we do because anytime I've been burned, it was definitely like last minute, right? Last minute. And it's like, who are the people that are in those positions to have to make last minute decisions? It's like or poor someone people who haggled. It's always or someone, or who, someone haggled. who haggled. Yeah. Um, Hagglers absolutely. are not a good sign. No, it's not a good sign. Mm-mm. You better not flinch when I tell you my price. <laughs> or if you do, then we're probably done. <laughs> yeah, we're probably not going to get along very well, buddy. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, OK, so let's talk about sex things. Um, cool. Yeah. So how has, okay. So I'm, if you know anything about my sex life, I feel pretty confident and capable about my sex life at this point in my life, but it's because I know what I like and what bothers me. And I have, I have like a controlled environment where I can have sex. I'm not worried about other people or other sensory issues, but it took me a while. I'm 36, almost 37. It took me a while to figure out these things. 
So along the way, I noticed that my sensory issues, like not feeling clean enough or Mm -hmm. the taste in my mouth, you know, Mm -hmm. or the scent of their face, or if I felt like there was like dirt on their hands, you know, it could be really disruptive. So how has autism ever related to your sex life? If you can think of anything. Oh, I can think of so many things. Um, First of all, because I'm autistic, I have a really hard time actually feeling close to people. Um, And it's interesting because because I'm autistic, I've learned how to imitate humans, essentially. Mm. Like that's what you do. So I'm good at creating relationships where people like me feel close to me. And I'm very good at building like good close friendships now that I'm an adult, but it took me years to get to this point. Um, But I have for a lot of my life struggled to feel close enough for physical intimacy with people. But as an adult, I've gotten so much better. Um, I think there was like kind of a, like a curve I went through, so to speak, like where I didn't really understand who I was. I didn't there was so much heteronormativity. There's another question later on that I saw that you had um, written mm. that I want to talk about this more, but um, there was so much about unlearning for me and discovering my sexuality. Because like I said, you know, I feel a lot of times like I'm imitating humans. Like I'm not actually a human, like zip me up my uh, like human mm. costume up the back, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so for me in my head for so long it was just like hetero hetero heteronormativity like this is just what it looks like this is just what we do monogamy and then I had to sort of try that realize that I couldn't figure out why I did not like my life or myself unlearn all of that and then relearn myself and now I'm going to be 30 in October and I'm just starting to get to a point where I'm actually learning like what I like in bed Mm -hmm. and how I like to be touched. Um, dancing has taught me incredibly so much about how to communicate my boundaries and what I like and what I'm okay with. Um, Mm -hmm. because when I first started dancing, I actually, I think you're someone who helped me with this. Um, I had a really hard time telling people what my boundaries were and that's because of, um, my history and trauma in my history. And I just didn't know how to say no, or this is what I like. And so I used to literally practice the boundaries that I say before dances in the mirror mm-hmm. until I could say them to anyone in any way, in any circumstance. And learning that literally in the last three years of my life has rolled over into bed. And now I have so much of an easier time with partners saying, no, I like to be touched like this. I like to be touched here. I don't want to be touched like this I don't want to be touched there or if you're going to touch me there you're not going to touch other places at the same time because (laughs) that is like sensory overload yeah it's like every nerve in my body I feel when you touch there so like you're only going to touch there if you're touching there (laughs) just fun little rules um no wonder you attract service bottoms I do (laughs) yeah it's I'm uh, it's working this is what you're gonna do yeah (laughs) isn't it yeah isn't it great all the ways we can blossom from the work into our absolutely yeah. um into who we are and really like get to be ourselves in our work what a beautiful thing mm-hmm. i feel so lucky that i can support myself and my daughter just by being who i am and like being real i know that that makes me like like i think about you know how how wealthy i am compared to other people in the world um, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. of my same age and demographic definitely mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting also being like the weird loner child <laughs> yes. that never got picked for pe quiet nerd in the corner and now it's like oh i make money from 
entertaining people and having conversations with them and they think I'm interesting and that's so crazy. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yay for us. So I again, know. the intersections uh, amongst disability and sex work are many. So many. Right. Um, I always say sex work rights or disability rights are women's rights, our trans rights, our queer rights are everything. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. When we fight for the rights of each other, we're fighting for the rights of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I asked some of my online audience, I am still on Instagram at stripper writer, find me there. I said, how does your autism and sexuality intermingle? Okay, so I'll read you react. Okay. Okay. Someone says heavily and in the best ways. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say I have no idea how to separate myself from my autism. I don't know who I am without my autism. I know I only got diagnosed when I was 27. I've literally barely out of my little cocoon of learning about myself, but I don't know how to be in bed and not be autistic. So (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, Let's see. Someone says my sexuality is tied heavily to sensory things. Absolutely. Smell type of touch. Even lighting needs to be specific. Absolutely. I had one partner we were trying to 69 and like who was on top me okay <laughs> that makes more sense i think typically for the smaller person it just tends to be easier i like both yeah. but yeah anyway, go on. i was like kind of having a hard time because yeah i was having a hard time with it and finally he was like maybe it's just too much sensory mm. and i was like oh good point and then we tried not doing that and then it was way more fun for everyone involved so <laughs> even just like realizing that sometimes you're so overstimulated and you need to just enjoy that overstimulation um instead of trying to do something else while you're being so overstimulated Mm -hmm. yeah it's either you enjoy that you're being overstimulated or if you're not enjoying it then you need to do something else well and like i feel like if you can't just sit and enjoy it and let that person do that with you you're kind of fighting it and that's besides the point in my opinion Mm, that could be a whole separate issue yeah someone says i need the other person to make the first move so i could be sure the interest was mutual um, I get that. Talking I about definitely, social cues. Yeah, social cues. That's what I was going to say. Um, I get that. I think that that's probably a good way to be respectful. I definitely have... Okay, so I have the opposite problem where I miss that part of the relationship where someone's like, oh, I totally thought that we were going to start sleeping together. And I'm like, oh, my God, I thought we were homies. What is happening? (laughs) Um, So I miss social cues that way religiously. (laughs) Good times. Good times. Someone says, I question if I'm asexual. I only super rarely find someone I'm comfortable with touching me. I'm definitely asexual. No. I'm definitely really oh totally i have no sex drive like really never if i like someone then i will like the idea of sex because i really like how much my pussy gives pleasure like oh i just like seeing that look on their face i'm like yeah oh that's really cute but i'm definitely and i know that i'm okay so a way that another thing dancing taught me wow look at this um is so sometimes at the end of my dances I can tell that like the person receiving the dance is basically feral I can tell by the (laughs) things they say like you know sometimes they're like 
so into it and they say some creep you're like they're mm-hmm. like i just want to eat your pussy and yeah you're like, oh my god i wish you would not say that um <laughs> but they're like they're so open into something it. yeah yeah it's and untapped they're yeah, so it's yeah it's tapped they're so turned on they're so into it that i don't mind it because i'm just like haha yeah buddy okay yeah like you're in that headspace yeah, yeah you're totally in that headspace but i do not ever get there like i'm just never like wildly turned on like that the best sex that i've had was with someone that knew me really well Mm. and he was good at being my partner in that way Mm. um and that was nice and I definitely feel a sex drive with the right partners and I'm definitely like so gay because I'm attracted to women and I can tell I'm attracted very strongly to women Mm. um but that's also something that I'm just tapping into like butterflies in my tummy when I see my pretty friend isn't just because she's my pretty friend Mm. you know Mm -hmm. again unlearning heteronormativity Mm. So it sounds like you're like a gray ace, like yeah. a low libido, yeah, demisexual. That is where I would put myself on that spectrum as well, too, okay. for sure. And that's funny because I'm hypersexual and always have been. I okay. So have you seen? It's a meme, and it says the autism spectrum isn't a spectrum like this, and it's a line. It says the autism spectrum is a spectrum like this, and it's like the color wheel. Mm. And it's like all the different shades of all the colors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful way to Mm -hmm. view the autism spectrum because I can't tell you how many times like I'm talking to someone else who's on the spectrum and I'm talking about how my autism presents and they're like, that's hilarious. My autism presents in the exact opposite way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, fun, Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Totally. So let's see. The question is, how does your autism and sexuality intermingle? Someone says... Uh, this is another adult content creator. That's funny. Sex is and has always been one of my special interests. I never get bored talking about it. Same person. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so it's fun because as much as I don't have like a sex drive, I do enjoy being sexy and I do enjoy um, turning people on and dancing and the art of seduction mm-hmm. is fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um. It's probably really gratifying. It is. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love, like the other day I walked into work and this dude didn't open the door for me because he didn't realize that I was, he's, he said, oh, I didn't realize you were a female when he turned around. Jesus. I was like, I had like my hoodie on. I was like full mask streetwear mm-hmm. and I like giggled. And then I went in the back and I got ready and I came out and he started hitting on me and I was like, oh, now you can tell I'm a female. And when he realized it was the same person he hadn't opened the door for, his jaw dropped. Uh. And that is so fun for me and I feel like that is my special interest like I can also talk about sex and turning people on and being sexy and the art of seduction and I love it and I think it's very fun you're a very good flirt and what's interesting is I noticed also really early um because I was so happy to see you like thrive in stripping because I never I never encourage or invite my friends to the work but if my friends are like hey I'm gonna start working then I will you know give them info and tips totally yeah but I don't recruit people because people need to find it for themselves and within themselves within themselves right and it was really fun to see you thrive and I also noticed right away is that we operate very oppositely totally um different hustles totally different hustles and uh, that's why I also liked working with you and didn't mind working with you I don't usually like working with my friends because I don't want to feel like I'm in competition with them even if it's indirectly but I was like eh me and Tony are so different it doesn't fucking matter I'm like very good at creating loyalty and draining one wallet like I don't 
really, I know how I make my money. So the nights that I have really good nights, it's very rarely off a bunch of different people. And mm-hmm. I watch girls who sell dances all night long to so many people. And Me. I, yeah, you. <laughs> I'm thinking of two girls at the club now that literally, I swear, they move and can sell a dance. And nice. That's just not me. I'm, I, once I get, I can like tell when I've got them like on the hook. And once I get someone like on that level with me where they really like me and they're really having a good time, Mm -hmm. I'm a very like one-on-one entertainer. I like to spend time with someone. I like to talk to someone in between dances. I like to kind of like flirt and poke fun. I am a flirt. I love being a flirt. Um, (laughs) I think flirting has maybe been one of my best skills in life honestly Mm. which is so funny that's funny and it doesn't even relate to arousal really I think no it's probably just validating because it's like when you're succeeding in socializing and communication absolutely it feels good and it's fun to um explore being myself with strangers and like how much of like it always surprises people when I relate to them like they're all people are always surprised that I'm a nerd And sometimes, you know, like I can get someone like talking to me about the right game and their mind is just blown that the hot girl knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's like probably one of my favorite like moments in my job is like, yeah, isn't it crazy? Hot girls are nerds, too. (laughs) We both attract engineers, though. That's for sure. Uh, Yeah, I know. Why? (laughs) That's because we don't look like the women they marry. I know. That's what I. Well, that's why I can think of a customer that we share. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's already happily married. So I know. And yeah, and he he like, gave me that artwork. See the pink Jesus pink stripper Jesus. Jesus. I'm pointing to it. See my hand. I will. <gasps> oh, my God. Stripper Jesus. That's a good one. Or that, Jesus and a stripper. Anyway, he's one of my favorites. Shout out. Yeah. We Favorite appreciate ever. you. Yeah. You know, he's probably listening to this episode right now. Oh, my God. I hope you're blushing. I Are know. you blushing? Yeah. Tell your wife we appreciate you. We appreciate um, you. And you're so well behaved. Yes. <laughs> The, the best um and isn't that funny too i also pointed out to him i said you know me and stony are, are very different in the club but uh but you you see both of us and he's like yeah he's like and to be honest i see you for different things and i was like oh that yeah. makes sense uh, it does and i like when i get to send you notes like when he's like oh, i'm gonna go see Elle after you and then i just like write a note on a napkin i'm like give them this <laughs> oh yeah we gotta send a picture afterwards oh we uh, will. right okay so let's take a break this is the autism and sexuality episode our guest is stony fay do you have any social media you want to try to share or does it honestly change so often um so you can find my instagram right now it's fairy stoned that's F-A-I-R-Y-S-T zero N-E-D with an underscore at the end. Mm-hmm. I believe I have like the blacklist shadow ban from hell. Um, the place that you can always find my most recent profiles is my all my links, which is just all my links dot com slash Stony mm-hmm. And we'll put that in the notes, too, so people can find you. Thank you. And I am your host. You're welcome. L Stanger and find me L Stanger dot com or on Twitter at L Stanger. Improving your sex life starts with the basics, like finding a condom that fits. Kimono Condoms was the first American brand to produce an ultra-thin, larger-sized condom. Kimono Microthin XL is a premium latex condom with a flared shape and wider base to enhance comfort and sensitivity. Everyone deserves a condom that provides maximum protection yet feels like nothing at all. Try Microthin XL today. Use code 20MICROXL on Amazon for 20% off your kimono purchase through June 27th.
Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I am your host, Elle Stanger. Thank you to our lovely sponsors. I'm a big fan of uh, non-monogamy options and also lube and condoms. You just reminded me of a big way my autism presents in my sex life that I have. Ooh. Yeah. So non-monogamy. Go ahead. I fucking love non-monogamy <laughs> for a thousand reasons. Monogamy? Um, The second my autistic ass was like, wait, I've literally never cared about that. Why can't I be poly and open and have relationships with everyone around me and just let them be what they are and not worry about it? It was like my life changed mm. and I swear I have healthier relationships. I joke that I'm half dating Rain. They're Rain suicide. Mm. And that's like my best friend. And it's so funny because when I feel like I'm missing a partner, I just call them and they come over and snuggle me mm. and... They give me kisses and that's such a beautiful relationship. And now in my life, I can just appreciate that I have that. Mm. Um, so yay, non-monogamy. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. So let's go into listener questions. Okay, let's go. Listener question one. Is it common for other autistic people to struggle with think they mean giving oral such as taste scent texture sensory difficulties so i don't struggle with giving oral i actually struggle with receiving oral mm. but i'm sure that oral is hard for people who are on the spectrum in general because your mouth has so many nerves mm. and your genitals have so many nerves that that just feels like a place where autism would definitely present um i again because I kind of have like a low partner actual interaction. Um, I feel like I don't struggle giving it. I actually really like giving. I'm definitely, I like seeing pleasure. That's what I was mm -hmm. talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. So I like giving head for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't mind, but I also know my partners well and I don't fuck people who are dirty. So <laughs> I know that like they're clean. And if I feel like they need to shower before I do that, I feel like most men are, pretty motivated by the idea of a blowjob so like yeah it's I'm, like if they're not going to shower for it, then they don't deserve it in the first exactly like if i so again i only have sex once a week at the most because he doesn't live here and yeah. i don't have the energy i'm choosing to be monogamous at this time um so if i'm like hey babe do you want to shower with me that's my way of being like I'm yeah. down to fuck and if he's like no I'm okay then I'm just kind of like oh okay well I guess I'm not sucking your dick tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like well you're lost buddy <laughs> yeah I feel that um I have I'm kind of in a celibacy streak I haven't had sex this year at all wow mm. crazy oh, yeah. you're getting that money yes I'm um focused on money and school and that's just sort of not what I'm worried about right now mm -hmm. but I definitely, when I am having sexual relationships, I enjoy giving head. But like I said, big disclaimer that I'm not like meeting anyone on a, I, I'm not on dating apps at all. So like mm. I'm not meeting strangers and putting their genitals in my mouth. If I was doing that, I guarantee you I would probably be struggling more with my sensory issues. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a lot of it too for me is like, my state of mind like if I'm having anxiety my sensory issues are worse mm -hmm. like if I'm relaxed with someone and I know that I'm about to suck him off and he's going to be the happiest person in the building for the rest of the day like I'm having a good day that day I'm having a good time if things are 
touching my mouth, I can ignore it better than if I'm like anxious. Then I'm like, what is that? Did you, mm-hmm. when was the last time you showered? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm looking up. It's interesting. I wonder if there's, I don't think there's any studies on this yet. Um, I see there's studies related enhanced olfactory sensitivity in autism spectrum conditions. So we already know that some of us have heightened sensitivity, which can be a positive or a negative. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Like you said, depending on the situation, um, something that used to bother me for a really long time is I've noticed if someone's mouth, if the the wetness of their mouth feels cold on my mouth or on my genitals, mm-hmm. it turns me off immediately. And um, so that's kind of interesting. So big place. I've actually thought of this earlier and I didn't bring it up. So I'm glad you said this. Um, I hate kissing. Mm. Mouths are gross. Um, <laughs> I don't want yours on me. I don't want to put my mouth on yours. I kiss a few people and I'm happy with that but I feel like that is such a big place that my autism presents Mm. and it kind of does loop back to the oral because sometimes I'm just like I don't want you to put your mouth on my pretty little pussy yeah no that's funny I've actually my um oh I shouldn't say who but one of my very long-term partners was like you're not big into mouth kissing are you and I was like not really I didn't actually really enjoy it until B yeah um long-term partner yeah I and again yeah we we were really actually compatible for the four-ish years we were together so yeah I just feel like there was yeah and then this boyfriend now I like can't get enough of his mouth but like I don't know if that's just me being in my mid-30s and my body like hormones is like breed breed yeah um (laughs) I like to stick my fingers in mouths that too yeah you can suck on my fingers this is mine on yours yeah Yeah, so so we don't know how common it is, but it's definitely a thing for some people. And again, you can like, you know, find ways to manage this. Like if you know yeah. and if you're aware enough to be like, hey, cold mouths kind of ick me out. Like here, I made you some hot tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, little things like that or just communicating about it and being real about it. And I'm sure if you have a healthy relationship with your partner and you're like, hey, you know, this isn't really my forte. This isn't really what's getting me my my engine going. Um, let's do this. Then I'm sure that's going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the ability to communicate was the best thing I ever did for my sex life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you start figuring out what you like, then you can work around it. Like someone mentioned lighting earlier and like you're here recording with me now in the daytime at my house. But like at nighttime, it goes off here like a fucking light show. Like I got pinks and blues and, you know, because it just it feels better. Um, Completely. I live in my cave and I love a good LED strip and some blue lighting. mm -hmm. I noticed that. Remember, I came over and I was like, ooh, what's that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love blue lights. I love pink lights during the day. I love, I used to have a really cool light bulb that I loved. Um, And then my kid broke it. (laughs) Again, RIP. Yeah. Uh, Listener question three. Do you find that you are more direct in communication with others than they are comfortable with? (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We're just going to sigh at the same time. Yeah. Can I tell you real quick one time, and I still know this person, and I wonder if she remembers this, but one time, and I've... (laughs) Anyone who's listened to me again, you've heard me make this example, but I still reflect on the time a coworker asked me, she's like, oh, I just cut all my hair off. Do you think it makes me look masculine? And I was like, yeah, totally. But some people will be into that. And that is not what she wanted to 
hear. Oh. She wanted to hear, no, babe, you look as girly you as look ever. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she was mad. Yeah. Um, I am so direct. Um, sometimes it's, yeah. Well, I'm you're moving like, to the East Coast from passive aggressive Portland, Oregon pretty soon, right? We yes. We mentioned that. That is part of the reason that I'm moving there. Honestly, I'm very, I think that Portland is so used to talking behind people's backs that when you communicate directly, they literally label you an abuser. Mm-hmm. You scared me. You made me uncomfortable. I can't tell you how many times I've been told I'm a dangerous person. And I'm like, oh, same. Um, what did I, can you yeah. name a time that I was physically violent with you? Because I'm an adult now. Yes. There was like a chapter in my life where I was feral, but like, that's not the person that you met. What are you concerned about? Too old about? to throw hands. I, sometimes I really want to see, Never mind. <laughs> like, do I still got it? No. Um, uh, boxing ring. I'm definitely too old to throw hands. I'm trying to communicate with you. If you don't like me, I'm just going to roll my eyes and sit on the other side of the dressing room. I don't care that much. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're calling me dangerous. I don't know why we can't have working professional relationships, but mm-hmm. that's how it be sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if um, I would be interested to talk to autists from around the country and feel how they move about the world with communicating with people. Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, there's a spectrum of mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes there are people that they start talking to me and I'm like, oh, you're on the spectrum. I can tell just by how you're communicating. Mm-hmm. And then at some point they'll be like, oh, I'm on the spectrum. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> cool. Shocked. Wow. <laughs> no one saw that coming. One of my friends, um, she's been with, she's been married and with her dude for several years. And she was telling me about the first date they ever went on where she asked him, well, she said she noticed because of his anxiety he was doing like four different ticks mm-hmm. and uh so she asked him like when were you diagnosed like how long have you known and he got very angry because he didn't yet know at that point in his life that Oops. he was autistic Oops. he knows now and he's not mad about it anymore but again there's that like messaging that cultural messaging where it's like there's something wrong with you oh i've had people leave me and be like we fight all the time and i'm like we're not fighting i miscommunicate we're miscommunicating and sometimes we have to to like translate from brain type a to brain type b but that's not fighting and i've had people say like i mean i've had people say horrible things to me about my autism and why they're breaking up with me and that kind of thing but Mm. i definitely yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i see where it it impacts Mm -hmm. so okay so the answer to that question is yes, yes. <laughs> with varying degrees of success or difficulty. Absolutely. Right. Um, listener question three. So I think this is another man writing this. How do I learn to unmask when I'm around men and get more comfortable with queerness? Okay. So again, my Instagram handle is very stoned. When you figure that out, send me a message. <laughs> uh, um, I unmasking with men um hard one I have a very 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 hard time unmasking with men I get too attached to the men I unmask with and then Mm. I get way too attached oh god yeah right it's like I showed you my real self and you still left yeah yeah Yeah. oh my god I know it makes my chest just thinking about it yeah um which doesn't make it easier to unmask in the future I think I'm currently going through a phase where I'm having a horrible horrible time unmasking um, I went through a breakup um, and then I actually went back to a partner who had already known me. So I haven't re- been required to unmask in, um, with a new man in 
a long time, mm-hmm. years now, mm-hmm. and I haven't done it. Um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very scary. Um, and I'm always scared that for me personally, that they like the mask, mm. that the mask of the manic pixie dream girl, right. the quiet better. girl who reads is better than the person that I'm going to show them. Um, I know for a fact that they like that person more. Um, I'm at a 100% leaving me rate for those who that I show, like who I give my ver- my real version to. Really? Oh, completely. Wait, have um, you showed me your real self? Totally. But my, that's okay. not, you're well, not we're not real. dating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm still here, but I'm, I'm part of, I'm, I'm on the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, the thing is though is at the same time i can neurodivergent femmes i have no problem being myself with Mm. that's just like oh yeah totally comfortable and i think too that's again i said like rain from earlier Mm -hmm. i that's someone that i never had that mask on with ever and i met rain before i even got diagnosed Mm. and i for a long time in my life i assumed it was just trauma surrounding men like that's why i can't do it that's why i'm like giving you this version of myself it's protection and to a certain level, masking is always protection. I wasn't wrong. I just didn't fully understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very hard time unmasking. As far as queerness, um, this was actually the question that I was saying I wanted to talk about unlearning. Um, heteronormativity fucked me up. Mm. Um, I literally ate pussy before I kissed a boy. Interesting and that's not what I expected to hear I know oh okay I never um I didn't realize I was gay like I just thought that I was straight and sometimes I hooked up with my girlfriends like all the time (laughs) and then at some point in my life I like said that to someone and they were like no that's being gay bro Mm. and I was like oh my god you had that uh girlfriend right yeah you got arrested from a protest yes i got arrested at a protest um for oh yeah oh i gotta be careful talking about her um (laughs) i (laughs) not everyone knows that she's very closeted still Mm, um mm -hmm. and there's drama Mm. actually i told you that story because of things that anyway Mm. anyway (laughs) back to our regularly scheduled content Um, (laughs) so i got arrested protesting um in idaho i mean i wasn't technically arrested i was technically detained Mm. because we were protesting the so voters had voted in gay rights the governor overturned it and we the aclu led huge protests against that and there was a sit-in um, so I have been fighting for gay rights. I was dating a girl at the time and I loved her more than I loved most people I've known. And she was so closeted mm. and she couldn't tell anyone and she never told anyone. Um, and we wound up breaking up and she went back to pretending to be straight. Shout out if you're listening to this. Yes, I still tell, tell people that story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no one knows it's you, though. So don't freak yeah, out. Don't worry. No, no idea one, who yeah. you're talking about. And she's definitely freaking out if she's listening to this. But again, you know, there's there's heteronormativity ruining my life. Maybe if um, her parents hadn't really uh, raised her to believe that, you know, being gay was a sin, mm. she would have been more okay with the things that she liked and desired. Mm. And, you know, I have a lot of warmth in my heart for that human. Mm-hmm. And she definitely lit a fire under my ass when, and that was one of the first protests I attended. And then I have been protesting pretty much since then. That was, what year was that? That would have been 2013. Idaho sounds like hell. It 
was. <laughs> I hated Idaho. I was there for school. Um, I didn't want to go to school there, but I did. And then I wound up leaving. And I just, the whole time it was stuff like that. Just, you know, mm-hmm. weird. But I think it was good. It was a good experience. And, you know, again, a place that heteronormativity um, affected my life mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Listener question four. What are your thoughts on integrating these two things later in life autism diagnosis and later in life queerness what are your thoughts sounds messy sounds Um, like it happens a lot though yeah well i mean that's what i'm talking about already i saw that question earlier and i was like what are my thoughts they're all of them Um, (laughs) i think that when we begin to unlearn what society says we should be who society says we should be we become closer to ourselves. Um, later in life, queerness is something that I currently ha- am deeply embracing. I'm not having any active sexual relationships currently, but I kiss a lot of my beautiful female friends and I love that for me. Um, later in life, diagnosis only allowed me to better understand myself. I was 27 when I was diagnosed and no one was more surprised than me. Hmm. And I had spent my whole life thinking that I was just talking to people through a plastic wall and they couldn't hear me. And I was just the Barbie in the box. And I got along better if I just shut my mouth and smiled and, you know, bit my tongue. And later in life and, you know, maybe understanding myself at a later in life period, let me have a better understanding of myself. Like, I wasn't discovering myself as a teenager. I wasn't discovering myself really in my early 20s. I discovered myself after I had already figured out how to support myself and kind of built a little career, had a kid. And then it was like a chapter of getting to explore who I was, what I liked, what I'm, you know, and like also re-accepting parts of myself that I had deeply wounded and like tried to just like cut out because I thought like, oh, this isn't what the world wants. And then having to like learn how to like, bring pieces of myself back to my center and like re like you know I relearned how to stim when I need to Mm. because I had for years never let myself stim and so finally just being like fuck it I'm just gonna like do this if I need to if it makes me feel better and then I can function then I don't care what does your stimming look like or feel like for you um I wind up hitting myself like with my hand a lot Mm. and sometimes it'll just be like on my chest like you do the taps but I'll tend to do like a full flat hand Mm. And that's definitely a modification um, and a more socially acceptable modification than what I wanted to do as a child, which was hit your head on the wall. Yeah. Hit my head on the wall or just smack my chest with my hand. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I still I hit my head on the wall a few weeks ago because I was having a little meltdown. Yeah. And I knew what I was doing. And then I ended up reading that autistic people often self-harm that way. Yeah. So I have been (laughs) completely I've had partners see me do that and be like, you are the most crazy, toxic partner I've ever had. And what do you say (laughs) when you're sitting there because you just slammed your head into a wall? You're like, no, you're right. You're uh, you're right. And now I'm like, it's an impact stim. Like, this mm. shouldn't surprise you. I ask you to hit me while we're fucking. Like, right. come on. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. funny. I didn't realize it until also recently, but B would sometimes just suddenly smack himself in the face and it scared the shit out yeah. of me. And not that there wasn't other stuff going on with his mental health, but um, he was also... Stimming. Yeah, he was stimming. Self-regulating. Self-regulating, yeah. Um, So stimming has been a huge unlearn for me. Um, But again... I've really had to learn how to embrace those aspects of my 
life later in life. I had a bachelor's degree and a child before I ever really explored my queerness or my where I am on the spectrum. Jeez. Yeah, that's a lot of life to live. The with the hitting yourself in the face or the impact stimming, um, I find it to be helpful because I did tell this new boyfriend I was like. I really want to go hit my head on the wall right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not blaming you. I'm just letting you know where I'm at because I was activated by something else we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and then I actually, a different time, I went to the other side of the house. So you're you're in my house um, again. I don't usually record in my house, but you're friends, so you're here today. Hey. So so the where the bedroom is on the other side of this room. So he was in there, and I went to the other side of the house in the den, which is like U-shaped. Yeah. And I went to the wall, like the furthest away, where I was like, he won't know I'm doing this. <laughs> and I hit my head on the wall like four times, pretty solid. And the dog started barking because they saw thought someone was like knocking. I was like, oh, fuck. I kind of gave myself away. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. I yeah. totally... I was... My... Uh, it was a bad partner of mine, for sure. But he frustrated me so much one time. I sat up and just, like, slapped my head on a brick wall. And he was like, what the... Is that helping? And I was like, it's me. It's helping I'm, me somehow. Like, my brain now thinks again. <laughs> let me communicate. Like, that's so ridiculous. And I understand the neurotypicals. That looks cray cray mm -hmm. but like i'm really just trying to regulate my brain and it's screaming and mm -hmm. every nerve in my body is screaming and the lights are screaming and it's bright and it's so bright the sun is so bright why is it so bright like <laughs> i'm not made for this planet uh, <laughs> no we are definitely not heavenly ethereal creatures um we are autistic succubuses ballerinas of the night i love it I love it. Okay, let's take another break. Find Stony, um, Fairy Stoned. Look that up in the episode notes um, because it's spelled funky because that's just how many um, different names you've had to go through at this point. Yeah, I. Um, oh my God. Rest in peace to Slutistic. That was my favorite handle ever. Slutistic was glorious. That was such a good handle. Yeah. RIP to Slutistic. All right, folks. Find me on Instagram at stripperwriter and online, lstanger.com. Hey, do you want to open your relationship? Whether you're totally ready or 100% terrified, I've got something for you. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people open their relationships up without burning things down. Now you can leverage her five pillars of open relationships to open yours the smart way. Dr. Jolie shares the five pillars during her upcoming online salon. Grab your spot at openeasier.com. It's free when you register now at openeasier.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is the autism and sexuality episode. Woot woot. Woot woot. Find me on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows for probably all the stuff you can't see on instagram so we're talking nipples and bush people <laughs> go <Yeah>. there <laughs> no really it's kind of my behind the scenes that i can't post on the regular social medias so get to know me better there my playboy page is where you can see the stuff it's just playboy.com slash they gave me the domain well that was i cried when i got that email i was like oh my god yay yeah good yeah very cool um so you can see boobies there i'm trying to be better about posting um 
and I don't do any porn. I almost said corn, but I don't. Have We're to so used myself. to saying corn. I know, oh, Jesus. Oh, um, Farmers. So I don't do any porn anymore. I even deleted my OnlyFans completely. Why? Um, I was sick of it and I was sick of them emailing me and telling me they were going to stop paying me when I fucking built that platform. I was like in the top 2% for so long. Mm -hmm. I was in the top 10% for even longer. And now you're going to email me and say, you're not going to pay me because of the content I post. Oh my God. I was so angry. Mm -hmm. And I know Playboy can't do that to me. So Hmm. how would Playboy not, not pay sex workers? So I hope. Yeah. And then I'm thinking I'm going to steal your business model for the Patreon and no, take it. kind of do like a more, this is the work that I'm working on. These are my goals. These are because I do so much like activism work and that's actually what a lot of people want to hear about. And then I don't do any content about that. You have to come see me and ask me about my nonprofit and then I'll not shut up for three hours. <laughs> it's a good three hours. <laughs> yeah. People, I mean, it always, I think it's funny because I watch people, um, have this realization where they're like, Oh, you're, you're really smart. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's fun to watch people, um, bring that part of me out and adjust. And then I've literally like had this full blown like conversation with someone. And then at the end he was like, so I changed my mind. I want dances from you. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I love when that. Yeah. It's when you've stimulated a different part of them. Yeah. They're like, actually you're so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That's my biggest compliment, honestly. Yeah. I love that too. Uh, let's talk about gender diversity real quick. So I had seen some studies. So when I was finishing the first uh, couple year chunk of training for sex educator certification, we had to do a final uh, paper and research study. And I chose to study autistic people and sexuality. And this was before I was diagnosed. And this was actually when I was just starting to think about autism really at all, because my kid, it had been suggested that my kid was, and then I was dating B at the time and I suspected and Anyway, um, you were like, are we all? Autistic? Yeah, right. Everyone I know. Everyone I know. It's weird. I always tell people it's so funny. Sometimes I have this moment with people because I'll be like the token diagnosed person um, <laughs> and they'll be like, I always thought and I'll be like, listen, if you meet me and we click right off the bat, you're probably autistic. You're probably <laughs> on the spectrum. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, have you, so have you ever noticed, um, that a lot of autistic people don't really fit into fashion norms completely? completely? Um, I think that autistic people are fluid beings in more sense of the word than one. I think that what autism allows us to do is kind of detach from social norms. And again, we're talking about, you know, we've hit this topic again. We're talking about unlearning. It's like, I told I always hung out in the garage with the boys. I was always with the boys. I used to say I felt like I was part boy. I said that my whole life before I even knew what the word trans was. Or non-binary. Or non-binary. I didn't even know what those words were. I didn't know what I was expressing. I didn't know why I felt. I was like, I definitely am part boy. I said that for Mm -hmm. so long growing up. I always wore Vans, skinny jeans, and a big t-shirt. That's been my outfit of choice for 17 years now. That's wow. So long, but it's true. A hoodie if it's cold, you know, like slight variations, same outfit. Um, now it's Nikes instead of Vans Woot for income. The um, $20 difference and, really makes a difference. Yeah, no, for real, for real. Um, so the largest study to date as of three years ago uh, confirms overlap between autism and gender diversity. I think it's the not understanding society and social norms. Yeah. And so it's either that 
autistic people don't care about them or don't recognize them or they don't see them as important. They're not. Right. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I am one of, I am, I am autistic person. Um, I don't, I, I've always questioned gender. I've always questioned. And in my relationships, I tend to be like masculine and dominant. Like I struggle with relationships with men because sometimes they're like, you're not, what I envisioned as a female partner, like you make a lot of money. You have no idea how often. I mean, you do. <laughs> never mind. Um, when you make more than the people you're sleeping with. Oh yeah. my god! And they're so mad. They're so mad. They're like, I've worked for X amount of years in this damn kitchen to make this money, and you're like, Yeah, well, I just pull my pussy out. <laughs> there is an Ali Wong bit in her newest stand-up um, about how most men are not getting their dick sucked by a woman who out earns them. And if, and, (laughs) and if you are one, and I watched this with my social worker boyfriend, right? Where it's like, if you're lucky enough to be getting your dick sucked by a woman who earns more than you, like you're a king. Like why be mad? And also that's the thing too. Why be mad? (laughs) And like, for me, like I've always viewed partnership, like it's a partnership. Why do you care if I make more money? Why does it matter if we can just put the money together and live a kick-ass life and you can live your life and I can live my life? And why does it, why does my, like, why does my ability to put money in an IRA Mm -hmm. threaten you? Threaten you. That's so weird. And I know I struggle with men because I demasculize them because I don't, like literally I can half date my best friend and I'm like, well, that's satisfying enough. (laughs) Like, I mean, I know that I'm doing it and I'm sorry that my presence does that, but I'm also not sorry because I worked for, I've been working since I was 16 years old to be this person. Like I fought to become this version of myself, to be okay with my pronouns, to ask for they, them. I don't in the club. So if you see me in the club, it's okay. She Mm -hmm. hears I'm I'm a feminine little being, little fairy at the club. That's why when they turn the lights on, I'm like, I don't exist. Don't look at me. <laughs> I'm a monster. My gender on Instagram is feral. <laughs> it's it's true. It's feral. Um, I made it that when they started letting you oh, change really? it to whatever oh, you I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm feral. Cutting edge. Is feral a gender? That's what yeah, I should be. Wild animal. Uh, yeah. So what can you think are some ways that non-neurodivergent people can help contribute to a nicer world besides stop using fluorescent lights stop using fluorescent lights <laughs> um definitely that and also like can you just be nicer in general like can you just be a kind person can you be okay if i seem weird and not roll your eyes can you um be in relationships with people who communicate vastly differently than you and be okay spending time communicating between brain types because your lack of ability to even accept people outside of your own brain type is actually your shortcoming. Mm. It's not because I constantly have to deal with the fact that other everyone around me has a different brain type than mm. me. So what I'm asking you to do is do what I do constantly and just for your relationship with me. And it's actually you're you're missing out on so many beautiful, artistic, talented humans because some of the most beautiful, artistic, talented people I know are not neurotypical. And you're going to miss out on so many incredible, incredible people. And I feel sorry for you. Like, can you be kinder? Can you be more accepting? Can you let your friend be kind of a bitch because she doesn't have social cues? Can you help her? Can you be in relationships with people and not get vastly frustrated when they constantly take things literally can you just say, hey, baby, you know that I was like that I'm neurotypical and I forget 
Like, it's okay. I'm sorry if that offended you. Can you just meet me in the middle? Because I'm in a world that's not designed for me. Mm -hmm. It's not. That's whole episode. We've been talking about feeling like we're aliens. Like, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't feel like I belong here. Can you make me feel like you want me to belong here? Maybe just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not, you don't have to like, that's a big, that's a big ask. I'm not asking for the whole thing, but like your efforts to meet me in the middle are so so deeply like they're healing in places that you didn't know you could heal me because so many people have denied me that you know how many times were teachers did teachers babysitters principals educators bosses co-workers judge me decide I was a bitch write me off and not meet me in the middle how many times did I have to mask to survive can I just unmask mm-hmm. and can you just still be here it sounds like a lot yeah it is and besides our our senses of smell and and hearing and and sight are better so like you 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 want me on your side for the end of the world like when there's a gas leak like if you're mean to me i just won't tell you (laughs) i'm all i can open the door and tell you something's bad in my fridge like i can smell every single thing i walk by i can you i'm a bloodhound yeah, I'm. I'm a. F- yeah. Oh my god, it's worse when I'm pregnant too. It's oh so yeah. Bad oh yeah. So bad when I'm pregnant. You know why? Because everything engorges. Yeah. yeah, and it's just swollen, and there's a little thing in you that's hungry. Oh my god. <laughs> Parenting is a whole nother episode. It really, it really is. is. Uh, okay, can you think of any books or websites? Oh, I was gonna plug some decrim books. Oh, decrim books. Yeah. Yeah. Decriminalization so let's of do. Um, Let's read about, it's Nobody's Girl. That book is incredible. It's about her being trafficked. um, And it's her- Barbara Amaya. Yes, it's incredible. It's such a good book. Please read it. Um, Nobody's Girl, A Memoir of Lost Innocence, Modern Day Slavery and Transformation. Yes, she was trafficked in New York City. um, For her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. Jeez. she's it's an incredible story um she's an incredible i wept um when i read it in like six hours and i cried the entire time i don't think i've ever felt so seen i wonder how she feels about decrim um i've actually watched her and i do believe if i'm thinking correctly that she was pro decrim because she was um netflix did a series on lost the lost girls or i think it is called lost girls and i believe it was that I think it was that documentary she was in or it was the one focusing on New York Times Square. Mm. Sorry, I'm sex work queen. This is my special interest. Um, Mm -hmm. And I believe that she was pro decrim. And if not, then I'll let her have her opinions because she's had vastly Mm -hmm. extreme um, Mm -hmm. situations. But I believe that she goes on to do consensual adult sex work for a period of time. And I Hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a very, so, yeah. but also the experience and the, um, what is pro, like what is, what trafficking looks like, how it happens. That's the value in that. Like it is an incredible story. It is so, um, real and raw and it really moves away from like the sharing the photo of the car because someone said that, you know, like that's like, let's move away from thinking that's what trafficking looks like. I'm not saying, Oh, the white van. Yeah, I'm not saying that that never happens, but let's talk about how most people are trafficked and start working on that. Um, Like through their relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Manipulated family, bad family dynamics. Um, That pipeline I'm always talking about um, from being molested to being trafficked to adult sex work. You know, there's it's good. Um, The next one would be Lost Girls. Um, That is a book that is about the Long Island serial killer. 
and he was killing sex workers. Um, eventually, I'm going to do like a whole, I don't know if it's going to be a book. I'm going to do a project on this. Um, I have an idea. But that's one of the books I would read. If I could get everyone to read, it would be that one. And then the next one I wanted to talk about was Moving Towards Bodily Autonomy um, by Justice Rivera. She collected, that's about decrim. Mm. She, they compiled stories. I have not read it yet, um, but it was put together by Justice Rivera. And I believe, I was going to look it up and see if I could buy it online. I believe you can buy that one online. That's a resource that I wish I could get. I listened to them talk about it and I wish I could mm-hmm. get everyone to nice. read it. So you can go to justiceriverawrites.com. It's Towards Bodily Autonomy, a Healing Justice Anthology, Decolonizing Sex Work and Drug Use. Um, beautiful. Wish I could make everyone read it. That would definitely be a resource. Mm. And I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's a lot. No, that's great. Yeah, as far as autism specifically, I really, I, I, I couldn't recall it at this point, but I'm just, my special interest is decrim. Mm-hmm. sex work trafficking all of those things and those are where my resources are currently mm-hmm. no that's great so my gray ace demisexual friend do you have any last sex tips for our audience i ask everyone mm-hmm. i do i do my sex tip is to stop asking me if i came <laughs> my pussy is a snapping turtle you'll know if i came you would know uh, what did you say gorilla grip pussy gorilla grip what happened with the tampons again Oh, I can push them out without a string because the girls in the dress, I always cut my string off my tampon. So I get the tam- the tampons where like you don't, the plunger is still pushed up. You have to pop the plunger out. Then you can cut the string and you'll just have like half an inch string. And I put the tampon in like that. And every time someone watches me do that, they're like, aren't you scared you're going to lose it? And I'm like, no, I can push a tampon out of my pussy without the string. And they never believe me. So finally I videotaped it and I sold the video to people <laughs> because no one believed me. And I was like, no, literally, I do not require a string. I have pushed a child out in three pushes. I can fucking wow. like shell a peanut up there. I don't know. Like, yeah. Coming up next, Stony Faye and their gorilla grip pussy. <laughs> oh there we go. God. The one, the only. The one, the only. Okay. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We're going to go autistically decompressed. Yes, we are. It'll be great. <laughs> Everybody, look up Stony Faye online. Look me up online. Go to their Playboy page and my Patreon. Yeah. And share the episode and tell your friends to listen to Autistic Stripper Bitches more. There you go. What a hustler. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Until next time.